Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. which tells me how recalcitrant they are about being told what they should do. No news organization is really credible anymore unless we inside look like our, the world that we cover yes. and our viewers and our readers and our consumers. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved. State level. And now we have the Surgeon General saying there's a mental health crisis mm -hmm. among our kids. Uh, the risk of suicide, girl, suicide attempts among girls now up 51% this year. Uh, black kids uh, nearly twice as likely as, as white kids to die by suicide. I mean, school closures, lockdowns, cancellation of sports. You couldn't even go on a playground in the D.C. area. Uh, without cops scurrying, uh, getting, shooing the kids off. Tremendous negative impact on kids. And it's been an afterthought. Correct. That is uh, Jan Crawford of CBS, who's really got the rant of the week, which I missed yesterday. I actually missed that part of that show. But it is out there right now. Uh, where to start, Alice? First of all, breaking news. Tom Shattuck will not be making it to his booster COVID shot tonight, which is supposed to be happening in a little more than an hour, uh, because I'll be, I'm going to be doing a fill-in gig tomorrow and uh, for a Newsmax station, and um, and I can't. It's a nice it's a nice fill-in slot, so I can't risk yeah, the fact that that's that I'll more get important sick. than you dying of COVID, sweetie. I'll get, I can't risk the fact that I that I'll bang in sick. They've asked me to cover because they're in a jam yeah we wouldn't want you to be incapacitated by your booster so correct so i'm, I'm not gonna have the booster tonight but so they're gonna risk your life to be on newsmax so i hope it's worth it you better there, do your best show ever there was a scientific poll that i conducted though today really uh yes on um this is earlier an hour ago i put this out there i am getting the moderna moderna booster tonight i will a die B, feel ill for a day or two. C, have no side effects. Or D, get microchipped. So here is the here is the results. This is over. Zero. This is hundreds of uh, votes, actually. I'm getting the Moderna booster tonight. I will A, die, gets 20.6%. Um, 
B, I will feel ill for a day or two, gets 37.6%. So one-fifth of respondents think I'm going to die. Two-fifths think uh, I'll feel ill for a day or two. Another fifth says I'll have no side effects. And another fifth, that's six-fifths now, uh, say I will get <laughs> microchipped. Here you go, Alice. But unfortunately now... I am not going to be getting that until Friday because I'm going to do a fill-in gig tomorrow. But I think Pfizer you had on Friday. Yes. So you won't be mixing shots. You're going to be an all-Pfizer man, I guess. Right, but the, but the Pfizer one's already hurt me once. So here's and now I'm reading more and more people saying not to get the booster. Where, are, where do you even feel on this? I mean, I think the results are pretty good for the vaccine on its own in terms of serious illness or death without the booster. And I don't like see a lot of reason to get the booster. But, you know, you're higher. You're in the higher risk group for COVID. Nobody is dying of COVID Mm. except old people and fat people. Mm. That's that's the two groups. Sorry, I don't mean to be blunt, but that's just the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's fat phobia in medicine or anything. I think it's literally... COVID is more dangerous for fat people. Um, And so, you know, that probably puts you in the group that has the most to gain by getting extra protection, which probably outweighs more risk from the shot. I don't plan on getting a booster because I don't think I'm fat. What about my myocarditis? That's really more a young men thing. If you look at the graphs of like who that affects, it's more and more the younger you go in the age groups. So like the un- it's really like the under 30s that I I would worry about the myocarditis stuff. I have another announcement to make, Alice. Mhm. Uh WTIC News Talk 1080 has made it uh, official today that there is a new schedule starting next Monday, which is January 3rd. Uh which means it's since um since Ray is gone, it's Brian and company from 5:30 to 9 a.m. Then Will Mar- Marotti, uh, Pastor Will, who had been there before and had the slot mm-hmm. I have, from 9 to 11. Then Tom Shattuck from 11 to 3. So you're not fired yet, despite no. your best efforts. I'm on now. I'll be starting Monday. My next shift on that air will be from 11 to 3 p.m. Todd Feinberg from 3 to 6. So in there, by the way, I see one person with a <laughs> three-and-a-half-hour shift, one person with a two-hour shift, another person with a three-hour shift, and one person with a four-hour shift. And which of those people would you say is making the smallest amount of money? Correct. <laughs> Tom Shattuck. Absolutely. I believe that is what is called value when you're an upper management for the Odyssey uh, cluster there saying, well, wow. honey. Let's see, let's see if we can move it. What's it been? Six months? See if we can move it to five. But please do check out my show. And for you guys uh, listening on uh, who who didn't hear me today in WTIC, hello. Good to talk to you, and um, good for you to listen. Those of you who are listening for the first time, you know they need their Shattuck dosage, Alice. You know, yeah, they need their well, you got to get your Shattuck hit today. Right, exactly. All right, so oh, you did you had a confession you wanted to make, Alice? Or is that later? I do have a confession that I want to make. Okay, is this is this regarding um, the um, sexually aggressive nature of your uh, commentary yesterday? No, I was okay. not sexually. I got a call yesterday. from Michael Graham about that yesterday. Really? Today. What did he say? He was shocked. And, really? Yes, and he uh, and he condemned that portion of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should it be banned? I'm Maybe sh- we should purge it from the internet airwaves. Well, okay, that's fine. I'll see. People are a little surprised that the that you become 
Um, Olivia Newton, no, Olivia Newton-John in Greece at the end of the movie <laughs> more often than the cute poodle skirt person sometimes, Alice. And, you know, I like to tell them technically okay. you are from well, Lexington, though you were born in Framingham. This so con- there you go. <laughs> this confession is unrelated to that. Are we buzzing mildly, Alice? It's possible. It's Christmas week. How dare okay, you? Okay. How dare you, right. sir? Okay. The confession that I would like to make mm-hmm. is that I unironically want the view gig. Okay. And I'm upset that I have not been offered it. Well, maybe you should offer yourself to them, else. Maybe you should tell them that you want to try I think, I think, How does one get on the shortlist for the View gig? Okay, so listen to this, right? So this article just broke today. This is from Politico Playbook. Um, before taking off for the holidays, the four long-standing hosts of The View had a message for executive producer Brian Tedda. We're tired of the rota- rotating cast of Republican guest hosts. When Meghan McCain departed in August, Tedda initially told the rap that he was taking a little time to find a replacement. Since then, ABC has tried out a variety of conservative villains, including S.C. Cup, Alyssa Farah, Morgan Ortegas, Condoleezza Rice, Carly Fiorina, and Gretchen Carlson. Nearly six months in, the show has yet to settle on a permanent replacement. Mm-hmm. And now the longtime co-hosts, Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, and Sonny Hostin are upping the pressure to pick a successor and voicing their displeasure at having to introduce new guest hosts week after week in a seemingly endless process that they find disruptive to the flow of the show. Like, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry that it's hard to please you. Let okay. me say who it must not be is they should absolutely not want Condi Rice. Oh, she's too good for that. Yeah, you don't want an intellectual gap like that in a show like that. It would be <laughs> just awkward to watch. Sorry that I don't need that criteria, but I know that you love Condi more than me, but that's okay. She's a great American. Um, she's awesome, and she outclasses mm-hmm. the entire institution of The View by a thousand times. Yeah, that's the thing about them is that they're mostly really stupid. The two loudest ones, Joy and Whoopi, are really stupid people. So, uh, you know, Sonny Hostin is a fool and a partisan and is an activist, but she's not as stupid as the others. Right. So here's what she told New York Magazine in November. She said, we really do still need a conservative voice and we need someone that's not duplicative of anyone else on the panel. Well, it, sources close a, a to the conservative sh- would be. Well, right, but what they consider a conservative might be. Oh, I see. <laughs> so they have a problem because um, here's what a, a sources close to the show have been telling Politico Playbook. The problem is. They bring people on under the mantle this woman is a conservative when they're never Trump, so they don't represent the country, said one of the rotating guest hosts. At the same time, the anti-Trump conservative can't be seen as too chummy with the other co-hosts as the network market research shows that the audience wants to see the women spar. Sources say that this has hurt the chances of Ana Navarro, a regular fill-in on the conservative chair who worked as a surrogate for Joe Biden. She's perceived by the producers as too friendly with the other hosts and not a traditional Republican. That's I don't have that problem. 
See? Mm-hmm. See? And Megan McCain actually was very anti-Trump. They will not consider a Republican who is a denier of the 2020 election results embrace the January 6th riots. I didn't embrace the January 6th riots. Just for the record, they can go back and listen to my January 6th show. Or is seen as flirting too heavily with fringe conspiracy theories or the MAGA wing of the GOP. But at the same time, the host must have credibility with mainstream Republicans who support Donald Trump. They are really looking for a unicorn, said the former show staffer. They want someone who's going to fight, but not too hard because they don't want it to be ugly and bickering. So let's think about uh, who could they get. Somebody said Katie Pavlich. I think Katie Pavlich is uh, humorless. I mean, although the show, the view is humorless, too. So maybe they don't want though. So they so the rumor is that they almost got Kat Tempf. But she backed out because a she has her Fox contract still which would be expensive for her to get out of. And B, the show has a reputation for being horrific, a horrific working environment for the one conservative person that they have on. So she didn't want to deal with that. And that's been like part of the problem. That's like why Meghan McCain left is because they're so horrible to her. But she claims to really like Joy. Well, like, I mean, in the press statements right <laughs> like not well who knows how to, they how were the, they were the, terrible the to her they were terrible to her. Really? not not the crew the other the hosts yeah they're terrible to her i don't know right i mean but i mean yeah i don't know they really are looking for a unicorn but i do think i could do it and i don't know how one gets onto the list to like try out yeah. for the view well, send, send them something <laughs> okay i will but uh, i do think like but i mean like who it matters. I mean, you who would somebody, you have on the show? You could have somebody vanilla, um, who's not funny, like Dana Perino. She'd be good. She plays well with others. She's not a insurrectionist, and she's not crazy against Trump. Um, but she's not funny. Or you could have somebody funny, but a byproduct of being funny a lot of times is being really intelligent. So you could have Kennedy go in there, but she would beat the hell out of everybody. And I'm sure that he'd even more for for her, for somebody going. That's the problem is they can't best the Republican can't best everybody all the time. So I don't know. It's a it's a really show. It's a show of dumb people made for dumb people. <laughs> it it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the we female audience of the View, much like the female audience of Sex in the City, generally are not smart people. And just like Sex in the City wasn't funny, the View is stupid. And it was at the beginning. I used to. I watched it from day one, when uh, the View or Sex in the City. The View. I would never watch Sex. <laughs> in the, the View. Um, way back, way back then, to twenty years ago, mm-hmm. or whatever. And we remember. I remember watching it with a, a a young lady at the time, and and the all three of them, or might have been because you had Barbara Walters there too. Then they were just clobbering this young pretty member I, I don't know if she was conservative back then or not but they were so mean to her that they started doing snl skits about it, how mean they were to her 
I watched it a little in the Elizabeth Hasselbeck days, but I always mm. had stuff to do in the morning. I wasn't a person who could watch TV at what even what time well, is the view even know. on? Like ten a.m. or I something? Don't know. I don't know. But they are dumbs. But uh, you know who who knows. But Back, I think I could be really good at that. 1570 Project will have a lot more on your quest for the view, Alice. I look forward to listening to that. It's coming back, I understand, very soon. That's supposed to be my New Year's right. resolution is to bring back the 1570 Project. There you go, Alice. There you go. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Um, the oh, problem is I think they pay the view host more than the 1570 Project host is contracted for. Well, I'm going to pay her more. You're <laughs> a woman of means now. All right. So uh, I want to get to this, this uh, segment on CNN. Pathetic, but it's a good snapshot of the media and how uh, all these institutions are collapsing. Brian Stelter has, um, he's, I'll just let him, let me just let him start out. This, so you know where we're going immediately. A long overdue change is underway in many newsrooms in the overdue. United States and around the world. Newsrooms that have been long dominated by men, mostly white men, are finally seen. That this is somebody <laughs> saying this with a straight, a white man who's condemning white men as being... Uh, you know, some kind of um, of um, un uh, uh, unacceptable. These white men are unacceptable, says the white man. You know, you'd figure that maybe you'd have somebody else come in. Can and... he step down? Right. We'd all be fine with that. Right. So he, he's doing these, this pander here goes on. More and more diversity and more women in leadership positions. Let me show you 10 examples from 2021. Uh, women taking charge of newsrooms like Vox and HuffPost and Reuters and the AP and others. This is such a pander. If you're a woman, feel insulted. Because <laughs> it really is a little pat on the head. Look at you. You're doing it. Oh, I feel insulted every time Brian Stelter is on TV. But it's not because I'm a woman. It's just as a human being, I'm insulted. Right. And so here's, um, so that you know where Stelter's going. He brings in Alexandra Galani, Galani, who's with Reuters. She's the new honcho at Reuters. And he brings in Julie Pace, who's the new honcho at the AP. Julie Pace, I like a lot. I've been watching her work a lot over the years. And um, I think she's great. I I semi-stalked her in New Hampshire one time to Alice. Semi. I apologize. I'm Not sorry, a, Julie Pace. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, it wasn't. That was semi. <clears throat> it was in a, at a salad place. Nothing happened. <laughs> I was just mostly doing my work, but then I. Or nothing. Okay, so. I also semi stocked uh, Anderson Cooper. So there you go. So equal. I'm also sorry, Anderson. I apologize to you too. That was crazy because I actually. I hounded him so much that he actually, in his producer, ended up leaving. <laughs> Not fun so great. All right. I've stalked a lot. Katy Perry, I definitely stalked. But that was, I didn't mean to stalk, but I definitely stalked her across the building and got confronted by her security. About I wish it. you'd gone on stage with Left Shark or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should have gotten one of those shark suits. <laughs> How but, do we know you didn't? How do we yeah. know that's why well, Left I, Shark I left officially shark left the building, I can move. tell you that. I get more. Okay. So, so this is the this is the person who runs the AP, a wire serv- the Reuters, a wire service, just like the AP. And she's telling, this is her take on the importance of this diversification in newsrooms. No news organization is really credible anymore unless we inside look like our, the world that we cover yes. and our viewers and our readers and our consumers. That is a bizarre, irresponsible thing to say, of course. No news organization is credible unless we look like everybody? Not think, Wait a second, not is there any like veracity them. to this story? 
Well, they do kind of look like us. There's a black <laughs> person, a Latinx person, and a woman, and with an X, too. You know what? It's, and, of course, not think like them. They can't. Right. It right. wouldn't be that they would hire a conservative so that they can reflect America better. Right. Oh, no, no. But, but <laughs> That's out to, of the question. It, it has to be. But that is so incredibly insulting. We have to look like the people we're covering. No, you don't. No, you have to be good at the people you're covering. That's what you have to do. You don't have to personify physically the subject matter. That's r- r- ridiculous. Or the readership. That is ridiculous. The readership wants good journalism. That's what they're going for. They would like accuracy. But this is one of the reasons that Reuters sucks now, because it's not accurate. Because you've got everybody looking like who they're writing for. I want to look like who I'm writing for. It is such it is such an in in insult and such a degrading thing to say about women and uh, these organizations to think that that's the credo now, mm-hmm. guys. Let's make sure we do. But she's absolutely all for it. Our newsroom now has to change and has to follow that. Has to be like the world that is outside, and I feel it more because I am the first mm-hmm. woman. So a huge honor and a huge responsibility. That's pathetic. And I expect to hear that from a 14-year-old girl, you know, rather than these a professional journalist who supposedly has been doing a good job. Mm-hmm. This is not about anything but work product, if you're in journalism. It right, is- especially the AP and Reuters. Right. Because those are like, there should be no, like, opinion people, no, none of... AP and Reuters are supposed to be the sources that other newspapers use for, like, the straight news copy for the big stuff that they can't cover, like right. Afghanistan, right? Like, if you're the Lowell Sun, it's hard for you to cover Afghanistan. So you rely on these reports from these supposedly hard news resources. Right. And so you need the best possible reporting in there. Right. You need to. The brand of the AP was actually built over decades and decades and decades because they were really good, a lot of the time, at hard news reporting Mm -hmm. from all over the place. The AP was good and strong. That's why you want that. You know, we have an, uh, you know, I do the, I check the Channel 3 news in Hartford all the time. And one of the news reporters who's out in the field I see all the time is named Aya Galel. Uh, She's a Muslim woman. She wears the head hijab hijab right and and she's really good and she you know i use her sound and i grab her sound and she's always thorough she's always she always does a bang up um voiceover and stand up her package is always good and she always has great man in the street you know so she really works she's like to me in hartford she's one of the gold standard there and the other day there was a uh, a news item saying a history made here at Channel 3. As a woman in a hijab, Aya Gilel, is the first Muslim woman to anchor our news. I thought, wait a second. She's awesome as a reporter. Why would you then suggest that it's her hijab <laughs> and that she's a Muslim is the important thing that's being done here? Because she actually is great. And so, really, it just denigrates her accomplishment. It mm-hmm. takes away from it. She's awesome. She, Ayakalel is awesome because she's better than most of the other people of all the other religions and most of the other people of all the other genders. 
and most of the other people of all the other appearances. She is specifically, that individual is exceptional. Mm -hmm. And that's what they should be saying. Rather than look at the PC, wokey stuff about her and say, oh, that's great. No. Talk about her hijab and that she's a Muslim. Who gives a flying frig about that? She's awesome. She should get the same recognition as Tom Shattuck would if I made that got to the anchor. Tom's there because he's our guy because he's awesome. You know, but she doesn't get to have that. No. It's gross. It reminds me a little. In uh, one of my math competitions in seventh grade, I won a second place girl. Mm-hmm. And I was pleased because I got a special trophy for being the second place girl in the math competition. And uh, my dad yelled at me and said it was like lame, basically, to be the second mm. place girl. Like that it was a stupid award <laughs> that like, why not just be the second place out of everybody? He's right. He's right. Why would they break that down by gender? That seems like, oh, you did math well for a girl. I don't th- are boys more intellectually adept than girls? Uh, in math competitions, they tend to place better. I get the feeling, without getting us in trouble, that uh, yeah. That's all I can say. I mean, I just in my experience as a person mm. who's been to a lot of math competitions I think that, I think that, that, boys, that when the math competitions are mm-hmm. non-gendered on average boys win them more so i don't know you can say that that's or, like or their socialization that's, Alice, or that's whatever a matter of those boys having bigger brains or are those boys from cultures that emphasize math um it, with to no end i would say <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to quote somebody who's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quote the kid that uh, a few years, who was a few years older than me, but was like the star of our high school math team and came in first place in like the national math counts competition a few years before I was second place girl in Massachusetts or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you were um, in the whole state? Uh, it was definitely a regionals. I don't remember if it was the state or the regionals, but I like was second place girl at like a big competition with mm-hmm. a lot of schools at it in seventh grade. Uh, I don't know if you can even look that up. But anyway, so this kid came in first place like in the country of everybody. So he was like kind of a celebrity as far as in your world for the really cool people who absolutely absolutely how did you fit this in between house parties alice i don't understand the math team math team at my high school went um he had placed first place nationally and he told the group of like math team people that we were hanging out with to that to be good at math you had to be asian jewish or left-handed he was two out of three but Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so, but that, I'm none of those. So I don't know <laughs> what that was supposed to mean. But that was his uh, assessment. If we're like gonna a talk, math bigot. <laughs> we're talking about it. But yeah, that was his assessment. That's a quote from somebody else, not me. All I can That's say not it, my feeling since I don't meet any of those my, criteria. And I think I'm good at math. But My cousin Ned was, used uh, to observe, and I don't know any, <laughs> if he's right or not, but he anecdotally used to observe that the math geniuses in school uh, uh, also happen to be incredibly adept at the violin. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm an innocent here, but uh, maybe he's not wrong. Regardless, I don't know how we got far afield. 
But uh, so let's go to Julie Pace, who's now who was a great reporter and a great analyst, political analyst, uh, who's now in management, of course. And so she's gotten with the times. I'm really proud of the steps we've made toward diversity while acknowledging we, like every other news organization, I think has a lot of uh, room to to grow Mm -hmm. in this regard. And I think it's really important that we think about that in every hire that we make in every story conversation. Do we have the right voices at the table? That is crazy and gross. We have to make sure that we're doing the right thing and the right people at the table and to grow in diversity. That's every hire. Make sure we grow in diversity. You know, it's hard to find good help. We've been trying to, I've been hiring people now for newspapers for a few years. It's hard to find anybody who's good. And to then say, no, wait a second, we need one of this kind of person. We need this person. We need this person. You're begging for mediocrity. You're begging for mediocrity if you're if the criteria you're using is is some kind of diverse. Well, yeah, already the salaries that news organizations are paying. I mean, maybe not the AP and Reuters or Washington Post and the New York Times. Maybe not like those few big names, but especially like local journalism, the salaries that they're paying people. You're already not attracting the best of the best. Right. People are already like lowering themselves to even work right. for you so but, but also, now you're going to start turning people away because they're not the right race but isn't this also an acknowledgement that they're not looking for the best no whatsoever or else she would say we're looking for the best isn't it also acknowledgement that they believe certain races certain minorities people of diversity are not as good as at being a journalist than Caucasians. Well, yeah, because otherwise you just say you're looking for the best and a bunch of them would be other races. But they don't believe that they think they have to do something other than look for the best in order to have a diverse newsroom. Right. So Julie won't hire Alexandra, even though she thinks she's the best because she can't hire the best and so she's got to go find somebody else who's the best at being diverse rather than the best at being a journalist. Right. This is why journalism sucks. And this is why also that while they're doing this and playing these games, and let me go back to Julie Pace for a second. Uh, we're hiring at the AP a director of talent to help us do exactly that, to make sure that for our external recruitment and for our staff internally, that we're constantly thinking about growth. We're constantly thinking about inclusion mm. and belonging. I think that's... Man, she fr- freaking swallowed a corporate pill quickly. Enough. I mean, geez, you know, Say I was thinking Julie. I wanted the View gig, but I actually, I think I want to be the director of talent at the AP <laughs> because that sounds like a really low pressure gig just handing over like resumes of any minorities yep here you go here's a file these are the best but none of them have any experience they're the best Okay. Really in- important. But to Alessandra's point, I think that those of us who are in these leadership roles, and I love that that photo of the of the 10 women, <laughs> that we're thinking about who we're bringing up behind us, too. Mm-hmm. Because it's great that we've had this progress over the last year. It's more important that we make sure that that progress is maintained. Mm-hmm. So while they're doing this, with Brian Stoughton going, hmm, hmm, very interesting point. While they're ma- playing these boutique project games, these woke games, What's happening is they're getting lapped by independent journalists and podcasts mm-hmm. where you yeah. can flush out and or suss out whatever um, more better analysis, 
and better, cleaner information. Well, and Substack, I think. Especially yes. Substack is making a move. And I know it doesn't affect them as much at like AP and stuff, but Substack has been making a move in the last year. I know I've mentioned this before to try and do a takeover of local journalism, which is... I don't know. How, I don't remember how much we've talked about this on this show or not, but local journalism is in the late stages of collapse. I mean, there's nothing. There's no salaries. There's no reporters. Nobody's going to the zoning board meetings. Nobody's doing the stuff that I mean, local journalists used to do. You have local journalism in your family. Um, the your grandfather, mm-hmm. I think, was the editor of the Hartford Gazette. Or not Hartford. The, he um, was the publisher the of owner, the, the uh, Hardwick Gazette. Correct. The, the publisher of the Hardwick Gazette in Hardwick, Vermont, uh, for years. And I mean, that local paper is in crisis. It's going to online only, no mm-hmm. more delivery of a print paper. But this is local news that actually matters to people, that people care about. And it's been utterly demolished in part by venture capital companies in part just by like the shift in the model to digital to subscription-based models i think that you know so substack has made this move they're paying a bunch of people's salaries up front to do local reporting and build a subscriber base so that they can then live off that i mean like that's a model that could absolutely become self-sustaining over time because people would totally be willing to pay like 30 bucks a year to you know hear the local news from somebody who lives locally and actually like goes to meetings and stuff Mm -hmm. it's a very and it's you know these big companies that can afford to pay big journalist salaries are never going to do that they're never ever going to like there's no boston globe spotlight for your local town Mm -hmm. but there is like corruption and stuff there people pilfer from town coffers people like there's so much of your life and your finances and your world that's impacted by your local school board meetings your zoning board meetings your board of selectmen or your city council meetings it's just it's incredible that that's like being totally lost totally lost i mean and there's so much detail very very few people care to take the time to understand local government and it's something that I mean, like, I, I think it might, like, vanish off the earth, frankly. It's- I totally agree. I, it's going to be, <clears throat> it's going to be um, subsumed, or I believe, like you said, by uh, things like Substack and, and independent journalists and... Uh, but I mean, I think Substack is like a tool that independent journalists can use. Right, yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But they can also... Better network. I assume Sub- Substack will end up doing that and um, kind of undergirding the network and supplementing their resources that way, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but and any any local newspaper right now owned by a hedge fund is a newspaper that is being led by the hand by the Grim Reaper. It's over. It's already over. Right. So it's just a matter of it seeming like it's not. You still got the masthead. And you've got the branding, but it's the dying days. It's 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 done. It's over. And more people, anybody who's making, you don't want to know about it. I'm just telling you, it's it's dead. I'm telling you this. This is Tom Shattuck saying without violating any without violating uh, contract any, that you've signed to the contract. When you see a newspaper that is owned by a um, a a hedge fund say, "Please buy a subscription to support local journalism," don't do it. 
Don't yeah. do it. You know, it ain't uh, going where you think it's going. That is all I'm saying. Uh, so, but that is too bad. But these people are going to expedite the end of traditional media, and it's it's about time. I'm sorry about that, but Joe Rogan, although a big a meal, you know, three hours of the stuff, more information is gleaned from the Joe Rogan show than is gleaned from CNN. And he has more influence and a bigger audience than yes. CNN. A, a lot bigger audience. A much, yes. much bigger audience. Yes, and they say, Rogan doesn't know anything. He's dumb. But yeah, but Don Lemon, Lemon doesn't know anything. He's dumb. All of these other guys are dumb. The Cuomo brother. It's ridiculous. Well, right. And so here's the thing is that I think the last, I mean, for all time, but I think the last few years have definitely exposed, especially the mediocrity of the quote unquote elites. Right. And like our system has thrived as long as it's allowed certain people to sort of claw their way up through the ranks of the meritocracy. Right. And like, the left can talk about unearned privilege and stuff all they want, but they're still getting in on legacy admissions to all these colleges. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, they're like getting rid of the SATs because that's so privileged, even though the SATs is like one of the few things that allows somebody who's super smart, who's from a worse background and a worse school district and a worse whatever that didn't offer sailing club and didn't have like special coaches to help him write his college essay. That's the only thing that allows somebody like that to get into these elite schools and get the sort of elite currency that allows them to thrive in that environment. Right. Like the U.S. has always been an imperfect meritocracy. Of course. Right. Like there's always been a bunch of people who are privileged who have been able to trade on that privilege to get ahead, even though they suck, like the Cuomos, right? Like, well, sure. Oh, he wasn't always privileged, I don't think. But you well, know, no. But I'm was, saying, like, no, no doubt, there is there's, a, there's a, an in group in this country, certainly. right? And it allows mediocre people to get ahead for yes. sure, for sure. But the elements of that that are actually meritocratic do allow people to transcend that, like, sort of invisible, unspoken caste system that we do have here. And our caste system in the United States has always been weaker than it has been mm -hmm. in many other countries. So for those same people who got ahead on the caste system to condemn the meritocratic part as being what makes America inequitable and unfair is so ridiculous it like doesn't even bear thinking about, right? Because... They're actually mediocre. Like, sure, yes. a lot of mediocre people who don't deserve it get ahead in America. Mm -hmm. But America is one of the only places that allows people who are actually talented to, you know, surpass the mean the, the, the circumstances of their birth. Right. Yes. We do not have an established nobility class in this country. Right. There is there are the elites, like you said, those are the privileged people. But there is plenty of highway uh, to maneuver. And get mm -hmm. around them and 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 make your way. Uh, but you know, another thing before I leave this that I should that I should say about the media is, and I've got to credit Michael Graham brought this up. Uh, is that with as newspapers are dwindling, these local newspapers and bigger newspapers as well. Um, you know, the are the artificially sustained newspapers like the Times and the Globe. In the Washington Post, those are a little bit different because once again, mm -hmm. Bezos could just—it's some billionaire's baby, right. so it's fine. <laughs> but the, what you've got is more and more local newspapers are having to 
take copy, full copy from communications in press offices of institutions. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's not just that, uh, you know, Acme University is holding a job fair on the 15th. It's Acme University is sending along an article for the papers to put right into their paper, word for word, mm -hmm. you know, um, and written by somebody at large, whatever you want. And and so people are, this is what press agents are doing now. They're writing right. copy and articles because they know that the newspapers have no resources. The, resource, the newspapers have one person to put on the, uh, the zoning board meeting and the school board meeting and the sports game on Thursday. And, and they, usually for like six towns. Right. And they can't get over to your event. So you'll get them virtually over to your event by covering it yourself, sending it to newspapers. Mm -hmm. And they're just happy to have the copy. The inch is covered. And what seems like the reach. And that's happening more and more. I Believe me, a couple of years ago, I thought that was shady when I saw it. And I saw the desperate straits that some of these editors were in. Mm -hmm. And now they're just surviving. Because they just need words to put on the newspaper so that the subscribers that are still there don't notice how thin the paper's getting for their same subscription dollars that they're paying. Exactly. But people should know that these are interest groups populating the pages of their local papers as well. Yeah, and what's not the interest groups is written by hacks like these ladies that are on with Brian Stelter at AP and Reuters claiming to be hard news that the newspapers are just taking whole cloth. But yeah, but I don't think that these... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about the wire services. Yeah, I'm you're saying, right, right. Like, they, I'm the, saying the newspapers services. are either written... The local stuff mm -hmm. is written by interest groups, like the local parties or the group that's throwing the event or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other stuff is filled by wire copy, like AP or Reuters. Mm -hmm. And then, like... I mean, there's so little. These places are subsisting on so few reporters. They just can't cover more than that. Right. Like, there's uh, not enough people to write all the things to fill the newspaper. The, no, right. Which is why you've got at some, at some in, legacy media companies, you've got editors feverishly doing uh, AP rewrites. So they can source the AP as having contributed to the story, but they can claim they can doing, look different. They're doing, yeah, exactly. But which is just how it is now. The days of a robust local media are, are just over. All right, looking around a little bit more at the world today. Um, oh, you know what? Along those lines, no, no, we'll, we'll start right here. It, the, Fauci says, said something a few days ago, and I, I hate to play him, but as somebody who was just about I thought to, I banned him from this show. Did you, by the way, did you get me? He's banned from the 1570 Project starting next week. All right, did you get, did you tell my people I'm not going to be there for my booster? No, I'll go look at that right now. But... Okay, but before you do, Alice... It's, okay, I'm listening. This is Fauci a couple days ago, and this really didn't hit me until today. I just saw it retweeted again and again and again. Now, one of the questions that Dr. Walensky and I and Dr. Murthy and others get asked very frequently is that right now, as we get to the Christmas holiday and the New Year's, would it be safe for individuals who are vaccinated, who are boosted, to get together with family in the setting of the home? So that would be me tonight, vaccinated and boosted. The answer to that is yes. An okay. extra level of protection would be the testing that Dr. Walensky measured. But I want to make sure this is not confused. Before he gets here, remember, he's talking about somebody who's been vaccinated and boosted. If you've been vaccinated and boosted. With going to a large gathering, and there are many of these, parties, 
that have 30, 40, 50 people. There are many of these notices, Fauci. In which you do not know the vaccination status of individuals. Those are the kind of functions in the context of COVID and particularly in the context of Omicron that you do not want to go to. Mostly, he's saying, I hold think on, Fauci... on, he's okay. saying if you've been vaccinated and boosted, parties with 30 to 40 people are the kinds of parties you don't want to go to. So to the extent possible, we urge you to stay away from those situations that could put you at a higher risk. So I have a question for you. If I'm vaccinated and boosted, am I vaccinated or not? Because is is there protection from COVID or not? Because those are the situations that could put you at a higher risk. protection from COVID, especially severe COVID and death, is very high from the vaccine. It's even higher from the booster shot. The... Mostly, I think Fauci's upset that he doesn't get invited to parties with 30, 40, or 50 people. But I, I mean, it's, it's pure hysteria. I mean, like, should you go to parties with 40 people during flu season, pre-COVID? Yeah. I mean, but by the same measure, I would say that, like, you wouldn't be safe to do that. Yeah, but why is he saying that? Are, are, does, is getting vaccinated and boosted getting vaccinated and boosted? Or is it just getting three shots from the government? Why would he say it's not safe? Don't go to that party. Am I? I thought that these make us safe. Because the- he's operating from a viewpoint of purely how do you minimize COVID risk? Right? Just like if you operated pre-2020 with a viewpoint of how do you minimize flu risk, you would never see anybody during the entire winter season because you'd be at risk for getting the flu from them, even if you were vaccinated, right? So... If your only result that you're looking at is, can I possibly make my chances of getting and dying from the flu any lower? If that's the only thing you care about, then like, yeah, then you would say you should stay home the whole winter. You should never see people. You definitely shouldn't go to parties with 40 people. You definitely shouldn't go out. Like, but that's how he wants us to treat COVID. And he has not yet accepted the reality that COVID has become endemic that it's going to continue to become more transmissible, less deadly, especially with vaccines less deadly, and that it's going to become a fact of life like the flu that people are going to take as only one of many considerations as they make their plans and do what they do in their lives. Okay, so then... You're right. He can't let go because this is him with Jonathan Carl answering. Right. Nobody's going to invite him on Jonathan Carl anymore. Yeah, but once Jonathan- COVID's gone. I was a bit dismayed when former President Trump came out and made that statement, and his followers booed him, which I, I was stunned by that. I mean, given the fact of how popular he is with that group, that they would boo him, which tells me how recalcitrant they are about being told what they should do. <laughs> Can you imagine they've got this guy out there saying that? They're he needs to go, but he doesn't understand the American people at all. No. No, he doesn't understand that somebody wouldn't uh, look at the, uh, you know, the shining aura around him and not simply, you know, resign themselves to him uh, uh, body and mind. Well, and the left has convinced themselves, too, that 
that the reason why Trump fans are Trump fans is that there's some cult of personality around Trump, right? So, like, they've been saying all along, like, Trump needs to talk up the vaccine more to his followers, although Trump's been, like, for the vaccine and got the vaccine early on and has been, like, pro-vaccine the whole time, right? Like... They're convinced that Trump is somehow sending subliminal messages to people not to get the vaccine. And it's crazy because, you know, Trump to this group of people is just a tool to get where they wanted to go. They voted for Trump not because they love Trump more than everybody else in the whole world, but because he was willing to go along with what they wanted for a while, right? right? And, like, Fauci and everybody else on the left, like, still doesn't understand this somehow. Like, they think that the political movement that lifted Trump to the presidency has something to do with Trump, which it doesn't. Right. You know, it's a right, deeper no, and a different phenomenon. And it's right. interesting, like, how Fauci's like, I'm so surprised they would boo because I thought they liked Trump. Like, they really think if Trump went out there and was like, everybody take the vaccine. Like, they, because they, they're they convinced that, like, it's just Trump mind controlling people somehow. Totally. Great point. That's a great point. It, it, here's uh, it also. But let me ask you, is this thing over? Just going by what uh, Joe Biden said today. Uh, where, is it, where, is it, where is it? Look, there is no federal solution this gets solved at a state level no federal solution this gets solved at a state level he mentions that the fed will help uh supplement states we do know that with the rising cases we still have tens of millions of unvaccinated people and we're seeing hospitalizations rise it means our hospitals in some places are going to get overrun but in terms of equipment both in terms of equipment and staff that's why we stockpiled and prepositioned millions of gowns, gloves, masks, and ventilators. We're mobilizing an additional 1,000 military doctors and nurses and, and medics to help staff hospitals. Uh, so it seems to me that, that he is there saying that the federal government is now in a supporting role. The second thing we're doing is more testing. Seeing how tough it was for some folks to get a test this weekend shows that we have more work to do, and we're doing it first. It's as close to an admission of... Uh, of Failure. <laughs> exactly, that we've seen from this administration. Let's talk about how we got here. When I took office 10 months into the, we were 10 months into the pandemic, and even so, we had no, zero, over-the-counter home tests in the United States, none. So there goes that, of course. So then it's Trump's fault that, that it happened. But so is that... Is that what's happening? Is this is this now? And I think today that's what I'm kind of getting the feeling of. Is the administration has said? Well, they've said what they've said. There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, right, and so I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, if you remember, we talked about this court case, the um, employers over a hundred people mandate thing that it got overturned by the Sixth Circuit Court of mm -hmm. Appeals. It's now in Kavanaugh's hands. Kavanaugh has asked the federal government to get him whatever arguments they want to make in response by December 30th. So, I mean, I think we should expect that, you know, by by probably Monday or so. Um, and I would think. Um, so, but I, I don't know if it's like an admission from them that their stuff is a failure. Meanwhile, you know, we have Pramila Jayapal saying that the Biden administration needs to do the Build Back Better bill by executive order. 
<laughs> because because Congress can't do it. So I don't know what kind of insanity that is. Like you would think the left would have learned over the last few years that you can't that it's not actually a good idea to concentrate all your political power in the office of the president that 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 you want like a so-called balance of power, mm-hmm. like checks and balances if you will, to control the power of like the just one person in the president's office, but they've forgotten that completely. So I think that Biden is starting to realize that maybe like he's exhausted his political solutions here, right? He's held in check by Manchin. Do I think that he could get more done if he was willing to actually work with Republicans? Probably, but He's, you know, burned too many bridges now at this point. He's absolutely antagonized half the country without remorse. And and he doesn't have anything else he can do on his own. Like, what what can he do? He hasn't done any of the stuff that Trump would have done, like, you know, making treatments more available or whatever. We talked about that yesterday in terms of, like, the monoclonal antibodies, the one form of them that actually works against Omicron that Trump ordered one and a half million doses right. of. He failed to order right. more well, the DC like, media class. all things like that like uh, he's incompetent mm-hmm. and he's been flailing and he's like running out of stuff to flail uh, with at the same time the dc media class is demanding that he do voting rights how uh i don't know what presidential powers does he have there's nothing left he's out of stuff he did all the executive orders that he can think to do they're getting thrown out of court left and right in some cases undid yeah i think there's a few days left in this uh 100 plus employee employer mandate i i don't know like what I don't know well, what else they expect well, him to know, do about you, the pandemic. You make a at great this point. point, Alice. Actually, you make a great point because listen to this. We do know that with the rising cases, we still have tens of millions of unvaccinated people, and we're seeing hospitalizations rise. It means our hospitals in some places are going to get overrun, but in terms of equipment, both in terms of equipment and staff. That's why we stockpiled and prepositioned millions of gowns, gloves, masks, and ventilators. We're mobilizing an additional 1,000 military doctors and nurses and and medics to help staff hospitals. What are one of the reasons that hospitals are understaffed? Because you're firing them because they won't get a vaccine. Exactly. Not to mention the general labor shortage that's going on in this country because of the massive inflation. Absolutely. And, you know, argue all you will, this is not a question of masks and gowns. We had first responders putting themselves in garbage bags and like baking their N95s in an oven to sanitize them so they could keep reusing them over and over because we had no masks back in like March of last year. And we had in the Northeast, not everywhere throughout the country, but if you look at the numbers in like Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey of COVID hospitalizations and deaths, they were many, many times higher then at that point in time than they are now. So if hospitals are overrun at this point, it's not a question of how many masks we have because we had way more, we have way more masks now than we have back then. Right. You know, it's a question of staffing, which is a really big problem in hospitals, not just because of what you mentioned about the labor shortages and stuff, but also hospitals fired a lot of people over the last few years. You were covering hospitals at mm-hmm. local news papers uh, during the course of that year when they were laying people off because idiotic governors canceling you know chemo 
surgeries for right. people, all these things that make a ton of money for the hospitals, those things drained hospital finances and caused them to have to fire people. Right. You know, so it's it's a multifaceted, many-factored problem that that does not just reduce to like, oh, there's so many more COVID cases. There's not more COVID cases now than the initial surges that we dealt with a year and a half ago and figured out how to get through with way, way, way fewer resources under, by the way, Donald Trump. Exactly. Who, I'm no big partisan for Donald Trump, but... He was way more efficient at getting people stuff than Biden has been. Absolutely. Two more things to do quickly. We're way behind schedule, Alice. One is Jan Crawford and CBS this weekend with the best um, commentary minute or so about uh, what is now the new pandemic, what is and also a shame on our country. Well, I want to get to underreported stories uh, as well. Jan? Oh, for me, I mean, my kids hear me rant about this every day, so I may as well tell you guys. It's it's the crushing impact that our COVID policies have had on young kids and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, by far, you know, the least serious risk for serious illness. Uh, but, I mean, even teenagers, you know, a healthy teenager has a one in a million chance of getting and, di- and dying from COVID, which is way lower than you know, dying in a car wreck on a road trip. Uh, but they have suffered and sacrificed the most, especially kids in underrepresented, at-risk communities. And now we have the Surgeon General saying there's a mental health crisis mm-hmm. among our kids. Uh, the risk of suicide girl, suicide attempts among girls now up 51% this year. Uh, black kids uh, nearly twice as likely as, as white kids to die by suicide. I mean, school closures, lockdowns, cancellation of sports. You couldn't even go on a playground in the D.C. area uh, without cops scurrying, uh, getting, shooing the kids off. Tremendous negative impact on kids. And it's been an afterthought. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hurt their dreams, their future, learning loss, risk of abuse, their mental health. And now with our knowledge, our vaccines, uh, if our policies don't reflect a more measured and reasonable approach for our children, mm-hmm. they will be paying for our generation's decisions uh, the rest of their lives. And uh, that, to me, is the greatest underreported story of the past year. Damn right. And that is the yeah. tragedy. That is the crime that we're going to have to revisit, that we all saw while we're effing around with this you know, symbolic performance art of masking and this and that. That we effed these people up, and it was absolutely terrible. We we saw it. We knew it was going to happen, uh, and that and that is terrible. It, some other things, it, just along the lines, by the way, of staffing, etc. The U.S. health uh, officials are cutting isolation restrictions by half, down from ten days to five. One of the reasons, of course, is because they need people working uh, to be able to get back to work. Um, and in Massachusetts, Mass and Massachusetts, um. They are the National Guard deploys to help understaffed mass hospitals facing surge. So there you go. And what in the blue states that we did, did it so right, Alice? The know-it-all blue states. Remember, mm-hmm. they'd have the person with sign language right next to it, but they were so thoughtful and considerate. Yeah. That said, the last piece I have is a very good piece of wonderful news, Alice uh, Shattuck, and I will let you uh, read it if you want to. It has to do with the men stepping up. Um, and uh, go ahead. 
Um, I don't know. Can I open this? Or it's okay. I'll just tell people. You go ahead. Pro-abortion men are getting vasectomies to protest Texas's abortion law. The procedure, the procedure was a total relief, like uh, almost like the COVID shot. Like I'm safe now, said a guy who works in higher education. I wanted to man up. So these men are mm-hmm. so chivalrous that they don't want to impregnate their ladies. So they're getting vasectomies so that their ladies aren't put in a position where they can't get the abortions you would naturally need to live the that <laughs> lifestyle. So they are now getting vasectomies. And Alice, is this not a resounding victory for mankind? Um, I would say so, yeah. It is very good that these uh, men are not reproducing I'm anymore. I'm so glad they're safe from unwanted pregnancies now. It's That's almost right. like the abortion laws right. were about you and not about women to start with. It's yes, weird the, how that yes. happened. The latte crowd is not going to have offspring, and that is just... Uh, I'm sure it's tragic for all of us. Absolutely. I don't know how we'll get over it. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. You can find us on Twitter at BurnBarrelPod, Facebook.com slash BurnBarrelPodcast. He is Tom Shattuck. (laughs) You can hear him tomorrow on some kind of Newsmax radio station, I presume. Stop playing that. What's wrong with you? Why would you record that, you weird creep? C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.